I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. And I actually like Little Yachty. And I also run <laughs> by the numbers on Twitter. I'm <laughs> straight <laughs> to the fifth element. Where I highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge. I never sleep, because sleep is the cousin of death. Sting I actually used that yesterday and uh, I think someone replied to me something about sleep and I was just like, yeah man, I don't sleep. Sleep is a cousin of death. Sleep is a cousin of death. They said, nice, nice, well said. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm on it, man. Who who said that? I'm on it, man. I'm on it. I know, I know some hip-hop facts. I know the facts, man. (laughs) I did the research. As long as they didn't ask, who said that? That's a great, that's a great lyric. Yeah, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? (laughs) Is that young, was that Thugger? Was that, was that Moneybag, yo? All right, all right, all right, all right. Don't, don't, don't start. Don't, don't start naming names. Don't, don't start that. Hi, Ben. How's your week been? What <laughs> people is this week? What a week it was, man. What a week it was. So I'll get into what I listen to because it's quite a lot. First up, Corday, Justin Till. I actually got played this EP about a month or so ago uh, with some crappy speakers. Right, flex. And there was an embargo on it. There was an embargo on it, so I couldn't speak about it. But it was really exciting and... I don't think he fully realized the hype on this. Well, at least my hype, because I was expecting this to be unbelievable. But it definitely hits hard. You know, the production has a real throwback energy. Kind of like the mid-2000s alt-rap. You know, it was it was not what I was expecting. Corday is really commanding on these beats. He really is demanding your attention, but he never outstays his welcome. Just like nice, frank, calm bars. Get like Big Sean vibes off Dreaming Color. Uh, I think the way that he matches Young Thug on What's Up is perfect. Thornton Street has that late 2000s, early 2010s feel. It's really nice, it's really smooth, it's really calm, and I'm really excited to see what the album's going to sound like. I really am. Uh, Little Yachty, Michigan Boy Boat. So I can't force you all out there to trust me on this, but I wrote this review prior to posting the statistic on Saturday night, and I'm going to read that review in full now because... I feel like people think I'm a lot dumber than I am, but I know that podcast listeners have heard me praise Michigan rap repeatedly on here, so at least you guys will know. And shout out to everyone who rode for me during that. That was pretty intense. I mean, it happens a lot. It happens a lot, but um, yeah, thank you if you supported me through that. Here's the original review. I love this. I don't care what anyone has to say to me. 79.6% of Yachty's vocals are offbeat and 57% of his guest vocals are offbeat too, but it doesn't matter. That's the point. On G.I. Joe, Yachty slips into such a natural cadence that's perfectly on beat. You know he's doing this all intentionally. Lyrically, he's always engaging, his stories are evocative, and his punchlines are funny and entirely unique. You legit never know what's coming next in a Yachtyverse, which is way more than you can say for the bulk of artists in this lane right now. Sada Baby and T. Grizzly came through and destroyed their features. Dynamic Joe is definitely a highlight. They never miss on a track together, IMO. So that's the thing, man. Like, I like Little Yachty. I really love Michigan rap. So I don't know, man. It was, it was a little bit out of control on Twitter the other day. But deleted the tweet, and it's all good. So we can move on from that. FMBDZ, Warzone. 
again, man, more Michigan, more Michigan. Like this week we get Yachty and FMBDZ, both albums are fire. Sada Baby again. Two guest verses on here. They're absolutely inside of Baby's on fire right now. Everything he touches is just incredible. Whole project is really, really good, to be honest. FMBDZ, also independent and signed to Empire. Empire are doing great things right now. Highly recommend that. Now, Pete and Baz, they dropped their quick little mixtape. Bro, these guys are fire. I don't understand, man. There's no other word to describe these two 70-year-old men. Uh, apparently they write all their own bars that's really them rapping they said they got into it via their grandchildren who are also the people that helped them out with production anyone criticizing this i don't think has watched a guy ritchie film because i could see these guys in a guy ritchie film man they're in all football factory i could see them in football factory but um i don't think they take themselves that seriously they really don't you know there's some really witty lines in here some poignant observations about their advancing age Golf is an amazing song. Like, I enjoyed it. I understand, like, I don't know much about the Ukraine drill scene. I hope I'm not being disrespectful by saying I enjoyed this. If I am, please let me know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not part of the scene. It just looks like a bit of fun for me from the outside. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're being disrespectful. I'm willing to learn on that 100%. But I, I certainly did enjoy that. Uh, Vinny Paz, Burn Everything That Bears Your Name. I mean, what do we expect from this? Like, the the bars are just crazy. Vinny Paz's voice is incredible. You know, you put him up against Billy Danzig, you can see how talented he is and how much raw emotion you get out of him. There's also a Chino XL verse on here. Chino XL. I haven't heard from him in so long. It's hugely appreciated. I'm not going to say this drop is groundbreaking, but it's really good front to back. doesn't have a mid-track. Yellow Wolf and DJ Muggs, Mile Zero, another Yellow Wolf project. This one hit me out of left field because I did not expect Yellow Wolf to collaborate with DJ Muggs. Uh, maybe I didn't even want this. I don't know if I ever was like, hey, I can't wait for D- Yellow Wolf to get on a DJ Muggs song. And it just didn't work for me. You know, I don't think it was anyone's fault. I, I just don't think it matched up. I think Yellow Wolf seemed to be a bit conflicted between tearing his verses down and allowing, allowing them you know, time to breathe. Be Real and Struggle Jennings sounded way more comfortable on these beats, surprisingly. Even the track with Del the Funky Homo Sapien didn't hit. I, I was surprised at that, like super surprised. You know, if you'd, uh, I don't know, like I, I just, I think they're both in different lanes. It just didn't, it didn't align on this project. Neither of them put in a bad performance in their own individual way, but yeah, it, it just didn't quite match up for me. And finally, uh, London Grammar, Californian Soil. This, the scope of this sonically is immense. The intro is this massive statement full of strings and synths. It feels like the score to a Disney movie. And, you know, I like that she doesn't fully explode into that stratosphere elsewhere. She kind of allows the emotion of her words to take you to that place. How Does It Feel and Baby It's You are both amazing songs. Definitely an In Your Feels album. Don't put this album on if you don't want to be in an emotional state. I listened to it on the way home last night. It was, it was pretty intense. It was an intense one. I had to calm down before I went to bed. So uh, it was. it's a really good project. So that's me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah, so um, this has been my most uh, stacked week, uh, I think, so far this year. Uh, just having a look here. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, I think definitely by a number of projects. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, so uh, start off with Crisis, The Hour of Crisis. 
Um, I love Crisis. I love his beats. Uh, Jericho Jackson still slaps for me. The project he did with Elzai, absolute banger. Um, yeah, this one obviously is his uh, solo project. Uh, don't know Crisis producer rapper as well. Raps on this as well. Uh, some nice bars on here. Um, has the audacity to go uh, to, <laughs> to to rap with Buster Rhymes and Pharaoh Munch on one fucking track, uh, which mm-hmm. is very chesty, and Pretty I respect epic. it. Pretty epic. Uh, that, was, that was a superb track. Negro Spiritual, absolute banger. Um, amazing features on here. Um, aforementioned Buster and Pharaoh on one track. Rhapsody Sarok on one track. Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Ruben Vincent, Ian Kelly, shout out to Jamla. Obviously, uh, if don't know, Christ is part of the Soul Council, which is the B Collective for Jamla. Uh, De La Soul uh, on Big Mouth Part 2. Mumu Fresh on Granted, Bangers. Uh, Why With Problem, Asylum With Evidence. Uh, Chi Ali, haven't seen Chi Ali. Speaking speaking of someone who hasn't been in the game for a minute, Chi Ali, fucking hell. Um, And yeah, it's just, I I love this album, man. It's, It's just some great beats from Crisis. Um, just some great features, great bars all around. Absolutely love this project. Funny enough, out of all of those tracks, my favorite one personally, not like the best track, but my favorite track just to listen to from a re- replayability standpoint, is the last track. Funny enough, not even produced by him. It was produced by uh, another Soul Council member, Eric G. Uh, but he does, but Crisis does rap on it. Uh, Be all right with a, a head of Victoria. Oh, so nice. It's just, just the way she goes. Be all right. It's just oh, so nice. So glitzy I, I love it it's just real nice to listen uh, real nice to listen to uh on a repeat basis on a regular rotation definitely uh crumb crumb who is crumb uh mm-hmm. black lung uh yeah this mm-hmm. i sent this to ben because i've just um <clears throat> i i just enjoy the absolute variety uh the variety of features he has he has a feature for every track because uh, he's a producer first um but everybody even the most of these names I've never heard of will admit, right? But everyone just knocks it out of the park. Absolute amazing collective effort. Um, noble name for me personally is Selene Brigham, uh, who's a uh, part of Marlowe from last year, uh, the uh, him and Laurent uh, duo. Um, but yeah, everyone just does so great on this. I, I love the uh, I love the beats, the really grimy neo boom bap kind of feel. Um, I do love the. Uh, Occasional just callback to uh, minors and the concept of black lung and what that is. Uh, yeah, it's just a real interesting, uh, consistent uh, bring back uh, or callback uh, to the to the overall concept of the album. Yeah, man, it's a really solid album. Really enjoyed it. <clears throat> uh, two EPs from one Vic Santoro. Uh, first one is Pain, Glory Days Part One, and Progression, Glory Days Part Two. Um, I'll lump them both together since they're about uh, since they're five tracks each. Um, I I got the story of Vic Santoro uh, just uh, via Instagram, and uh, he's one of those artists that you know is just like you know recently come out of jail. He's thirty two years old, um, eleven years stretch in jail, and uh, he just comes through with some real just you know like a, a life life uh, life lessons kind of uh, kind of bars. Uh, but production is solid, it's okay, so it's not going to blow you away. Um, it's just more about what he says and who he brings on as well. Uh, Therapy is a real uh, standout track for me on the first EP. Uh, on the second EP, Glory Days Part 2 Progression, is probably my favourite out of the two. 
uh, I love Slipped Up representing especially Top 5 really clean track with El Cato uh, on there uh, but yeah man it's just really good just life hit <laughs> you with them life lessons kind of uh, kind of bars and storytelling I really uh, value that so uh, yeah shout out to Vic Santoro uh, next up is Alpha Mist. Bring back my mm. boy Alpha Mist is back with this, another one. This is a good one. Yeah, yeah, smooth jazz uh, keyboard led. Obviously from Alpha Mist. Uh, got Lexa Moore, who I've mentioned a few times over the past few months. So mind the gap. Uh, he does some rapping on the last track, Organic Rust, which is my favorite track. Really love that. Just I, lo- I just love his you know monotone voice. It's it's so. Um, and and just over those, you know, real calm, chilled, uh, laid back, jazz uh, infused beats. I just really, I, I love it. Um, I will say personally, I prefer structuralism uh, as it uh, 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 compared to his previous work. Uh, I do love people with Kaya Thomas Dyke. I love it when just uh, she comes through on the vocals. Uh, still got falling on my regular rotation. Uh, if you haven't listened to that on structuralism, banger track. Uh, but yeah, man, this is 39 minutes, real soft, uh, real smooth, great for the background, uh, just great to get your head nodding, you know what I mean, it's re- real nice stuff, real good work. Shout out to Alpha Mist. Uh, next up, Corday, just until, dot, 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 why is there four dots and not three dots? It's officially supposed Ooh. to be three dots, but it's only four, that's annoying. Grandma, I think grandma, he did it. anyway. I think he did it to <laughs> piss you off. Like, Did it know. to piss me off. I think it's possible. Wank. Hate, hate, hating, hating it. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, obviously uh, the album's coming soon. Uh, he mentions that several times. Um, I feel like you know, it's something with Corday. It's something I I can't put my finger on about Corday that I can't quite just like invest fully and like fully give Corday my full attention. You know what I mean? I don't know what it is. I try, I do. Like I'm I'm listening to these, you know, with the you know with the respect I feel they deserve, right? Um, but you know, some even with like a, a more life, right? Which is a cool track. Love Q-tip on it. Very very smooth track. You know, if if you if you got Naomi Osaka right as a girl, um, I feel like you could f- figure out a better bar than the one he used. Uh, like uh, my I don't know, my queen's a my queen's a uh, she's a tennis queen. You're marrying hose or something like that. I don't know, man. I just feel like I, I just feel like he could. Uh, sometimes when he references something, I feel like it's just like uh, that could be better. Um, you know, overall the quality's there, right? He's he's consistently good, but there's like moments where I'm just like, yeah, that, that could have been better. Um, personally, I prefer Thor- uh, Thornton Street. Love that track. Uh, love the story ten on that. Uh, yeah, it's just a real great track all around. That's probably my favorite track out of the four. But you know, just an EP, little care package before the actual album. So uh, yeah, well, I'll I'll reserve judgment and. Uh, Wait till the album drops. Uh, next up is Awate, uh, Fear, spelled A-W-A-T-E. Um, this guy has some... Re- <laughs> I love this dude's political bars, man. So political. Uh, I mean, just... He, he gives... Uh, I, I love the fact that... Shout out to Otis Mentor who put me onto Awate. Because um, I can understand why someone like Otis Mentor rates someone like Awate. Um uh, like, share, and subscribe. One of the tracks called Dominic Cummings. <laughs> Another track's called Broken Britain. The last track's called DWP, which is the Department of Work and Pensions. Um, yeah, it's just just from the titles, you know, there's like a uh, a political angle to it, and he just drops some pff, drops some heat, man. Just just carpet bombs with just fucking political bars. Um, real witty. Uh, I I just love it. Uh, real smooth stuff. It's only twelve minutes. Uh, it's a little care package. 
but yeah, man, <laughs> I just I just love the I just love the way Awate just comes through. It's just some uh, real fun stuff. Uh, next up is uh, Beneficence and Confidence, Stella Mind. Um, it's some real interesting, uh, just, uh, just some classic boom-bap beats from Confidence, uh, cool bars from Beneficence. Uh, it's, it gives me like EPMD kind of vibes in terms of like the duo. Um, great features, great throwback features. Got Master Ace, Phantasm, uh, Craig G, Lord Tariq, uh, Keith Murray, Raskas, AG of DITC. Uh, shout out to DITC, uh, Chub Rock, uh, Wordsworth. It's just it's great features on here, uh, but uh, there is a, just a decent... It, they don't let the features take over, so to speak. They pepper them in very nicely. Um, it is all about beneficence and confidence, I feel, throughout the record, uh, which is just under an hour. Um, so, yeah, man, if you want some real just nice, just decent hip-hop, decent classic hip-hop, go for that. Solid. And uh, what is, uh, what's there left? Uh, oh, yeah, two more. Uh, XV, Seeds. Got another three-pack, nice. two in a week, two in two weeks. Um, really like this one. Uh, year two is a banger. Uh, love that track. Uh, what's the, what's the uh, middle of the madness? There's some good, it, it, there's some real throwback XV kind of vibes there. Uh, but year two is a standout track for me. And uh, I think he has a music video for one of them. I don't know if it's via, so- I think it's for year two. Um and uh, if you've gathered by the first one, first EP for a week back with Soil, this one seeds. I'm I'm guessing there's some gardening <laughs> uh, referencing here uh, for the potential new album. I'm just hypothetical. I'm I'm speaking on hypotheticals. I'm just guessing. Uh, but yeah, man, super solid work. Always as always from XV. And lastly, uh, friend of 5e or a major XO2 coming through. Um, he told me. I, I remember he told me um, uh, for this and also for his previous EXO project. Um, you know, he's he's kind of known for like the uh, the workout kind of kind of you know hype up kind of uh, uh, music. But he uh, sets out to make like you know a, a, like a you know modern hip hop R and B record. You know, what I mean the uh, I think he referenced eighty eight glam uh, on his uh, one of his uh, um, uh, so, uh, uh, end of year list that he did for me um so i can see where he's getting his um inspiration from uh the single hippies is an absolute jam i love that track uh that's that's, that's, good st- that's some good stuff uh uh cheesecake i like uh stuck party is interesting um that just turns into a, a low-key edm track which are a bit out of nowhere uh, uh throughout the ha- halfway out for that um but yeah man Solid work. Shout out to Major. Uh, still doing his things. Um, I think that's actually charting uh, from last time. Uh, from uh, last time I checked the the IG. Um, so shout out to Major on that. Um, uh, glad to see you prospering, Brew. And with that said, we shall hop on to our topic of this episode, um, which is funny enough, guys, a Ben episode. <laughs> uh, who knew? Because uh, well, I don't know why I'd want to talk about this. Uh, but here we are. We are talking about death. Uh, in some fashion, and um, I'm going to take a guess, Ben, as to why you or, or what triggered you to talk uh, want to talk about this for an episode. Um, however, you want to take this. Um, obviously, we've had the recent deaths of Black Rob and DMX, and uh, more recently, in the past couple of days, uh, Digital Underground founder Shock G, uh, which I which we are 
going to do a digital underground retrospective next week in honor uh and i feel like we both need that kind of you know um that kind of music coming through right now some real just you know uh, laid back just fucking have fun kind of hip hop uh which i feel we all need in our lives uh and uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that. I've, 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 uh, apart from like you know a few tracks from Sex Packets and the you know and the top tracks that everyone knows, I haven't really listened to much Digital Underground, so uh, that's going to be very interesting. Um, but that's obviously for next week. Uh, for this week, we are talking about death in general. And uh, yeah, this is this is Ben's. Uh, this is Ben's. <laughs> I nearly said wheelhouse. This is a bit. Uh, it's a bit of a shot, but anyway, um, yeah, that would be, be rough, man. <laughs> I mean, you've thrown about eight ben shots at me. <laughs> you've thrown about eight shots at me in the intro, like you know, throw the the wheelhouse <laughs> shot as well. Holy shit. Um, yeah, uh, reword, reword, rewind. Um, this this is an episode Ben wanted to do, which is more factual. Uh, so yeah, Ben, take it away. Uh, yeah. So I mean, the tweet that I sent Charlie that kind of made me think about doing this episode was. The tweet says five hip-hop artists have gone number one posthumously. 22 years old is the average age when they passed. 11 artists from other genres have gone number one posthumously. 44 years old is the age of their passing. Now, that tweet would need to be amended to include DMX, who passed at the age of 50. Oh, sorry, he hasn't gone post, uh, number one posthumously yet. So he went number two. So uh, his best of went number two. So it doesn't actually have to be amended. But even if it did, you know, it wouldn't make the, the number much higher than 22 years old. And I really want to discuss this because, <clears throat> you know, rock music has its own tragic statistic, which is the 27 Club, which is quite fabled and, and something that has even infected people in my personal life. You know, one of my best friends and I spoke so much about how challenging 27 years old was actually to make it through. You know, when you suffer from suicidal thoughts, uh, you both kind of feel like we both felt we would be dragged into the fantasy of it and, and possibly not leave 27. Um, and so, you know, we, we both came pretty close during that year. It was, it was really weird because the thing about 27 Club, it, that's, not a, that's not an average age of rock musicians dying. It's actually been proven statistically that there's no spike in deaths of prominent people at the age of 27. It's just a group known for incredible talent. You know, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Basquiat... Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse. But I posted up a list of rappers that we'd lost before the age of 27. And there were 12 names in the 2010s alone. And 10 of them never got past the age of 21. And there was a 2015 study that estimated over 50% of hip-hop deaths were murder. Now the Wikipedia page, which actually lists the 50 most prominent hip-hop deaths since 1987, has an average age, ironically, of just 27 years old. Which is... You know, it's, it's tragic, and, and I want to speak on it because I did some research for someone who was writing their thesis on this topic in America, and I went through the entire discographies of Juice World, Nipsey Hussle, Mac Miller, and XXX, and I tracked how they reference death, like when they do it, why they do it, what tone they use. I personally thought Mac Miller was going to be the hardest, but it was Nipsey who turned out to be the most difficult by far. Because early in his career, he treated his death as if it were lying in wait for him a few days after he recorded the song. You know, he's, he's talked about dying young a lot, never making it out of his circumstances. But you could see the change in his music as his success grew. At first, he was hesitant. You know, he'd slip in a couple of bars here and there about being a bit older, about moving out, about moving on. As he progressed into the mid to late 2010s, he grew further and further away from that younger belief that he'd die before 40. He had hope, he had faith, 
And then he actually began to talk to those around him and teach them to have hope and faith as well. And it was really bad reading them and knowing what the result was. Like it was, you know, I can't even explain. Um, It was confronting. It was really confronting. So I think there's, there's a few angles that I'd like to discuss here because... I think one of the things that's, you know, a lot of people are saying that the the younger generation of rappers are dying more often. Um, but I, I truly don't believe that. Like, I think that we're just, we're exposed to so many more rappers now. We're exposed to so many more people now because it's so much easier to become a rapper or to, to build up a buzz independently. You know, in the mid-90s, it was harder. You had to have a record label behind you. You couldn't just jump on, on Twitter and social media and, and build up a buzz that way. I mean, the interview series I'm doing at the moment, these these people have got millions and millions of plays on Spotify, but they don't have major label deals. They don't, you know, in, in the 90s, no one would really have known about them, but now they actually have a fan base and some of them are even able to live off their music. So I think what we're being exposed to now, more so than uh, a kind of a, you know, infection of hip hop in general and, and, like more death being in hip hop now than it was back in the day. I think what we're being exposed to now is actual death, like real death, death in the in these kind of communities that was always there. It's just now we're seeing rappers, you know, who who have the ability. I mean, even even George Floyd was a rapper. Like it's just it's just sad, man. And I I, I really want to speak about. It. I want to speak about it on two angles. Me personally, violence and drugs, because I think both of those. You know, obviously that that study from 2015, over 50% came from violence. Obviously, significant amounts are coming from drugs. And I want to like look at some of the things people have said and look at some statistics and explain why I think you know this is happening so regularly now because it is happening regularly and people are very confronted. People are really struggling with it. Obviously, we fucking lost MF Doom and then we lost DMX and then we lost black rob and then we lost shock g like that's a lot of people to lose in a short period of time these guys aren't in their 70s and 80s you know it's very challenging so i want to speak about that but um you know it is my episode but i'm interested to see what you think about all this charlie (laughs) um yeah i feel like there's um several uh factors i guess to uh, as, as to why it could uh the these these numbers are so uh stark um obviously in the most you know in, in like zooming out just so you know as far as possible it's just you know it is is there has to be something about uh the fact that uh societally what some of these artists go through is a hell of a lot different um when you have like someone like uh juice for example uh going through clearly uh some sort of uh uh drug problem right uh that's that's introduced very quickly i feel uh to uh that kind of demographic right um that kind of uh yeah that kind of demographic, right, uh, compared to others. Um, so societally, I think there's just something to say about that, where they're given that there, there are that more is asked asked of them uh, more more often than not, right? Um, you know, I was listening to uh, I was listening to the um, uh, 
decode uh, the uh, UK UK dissect, which I am not pissed about at all. Um, Bro, you can't uh, be. You know that you can't be after the conversations we've had. I can't wax. hate. It's, it's, I can't. I can't hate. You have I can't hate, But you have though. So, but anyway, we'll keep. No, it's fine. It's fine. All right. Um, so I was listening to that. I was listening to the first episode. Obviously, I was talking about Psycho, the first uh, first track of Dave's psychodrama, and um, you know, it was talking. They, they were talking about uh, you know the 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 things Dave had to face, you know, before the age of twenty two or however old he is right now. Right, a lot, <laughs> a lot of fucking hardship. Right, and it's it's yeah, and you know this concept of. Uh, you know, have it to be grown before you're even grown is something that is ingrained in a lot of people. Uh, and, and I and I'll just say this for you know, not as a fact, but just as a a, a cultural uh, <sighs> a, 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 an example of a, some sort of cultural normalcy among a certain type of people. Um, black people in just uh, either you know the UK, US. Uh, France, uh, you know, Europe, Europe in general, um, and even even and even Africa in general, right? There's a there's a there's a you had to there's a there's a, there's a push to have to grow up and actually not have the opportunity to be a kid. Um, there there's something there's something to that, and I feel like you know, and obviously DMX is probably one of the most perfect examples for this kind of exa- uh, for this kind of uh, conversation to talk about. Uh, why they, why people, uh, why some artists uh, die so young, and why the average is so low? Uh, obviously, someone like DMX made the fifty, but that was that that that, that could have that could have been gone at twelve. That could have been gone at fourteen. Like it really could have gone either way. A lot of year by year, and you know, there's some there has to be some sort of just appreciation for the fact that he, you know, uh, went for that long. But I'm getting too I'm getting too ahead of myself. Um. Yeah, I just I just feel like there's a lot of factors here that um, we probably won't have time to name, but I feel like as a wider scope, I feel like that's something worth mentioning. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating, um, it's a fascinating uh, uh, conversation to have, uh, albeit very. Uh, depressing and also kind of gives me the um it, it kind of it kind of forces me to think about uh uh why why it happens you know what i mean uh, you you can look at it from case to case right and all the cases are going to be different but there's a lot of similarities in them i feel anyway and uh, a lot of that I feel like is rooted down to um, just where they're at, the cards they're dealt, so to speak. I feel like that's the um, that that's always the thing I think about when it comes to how people live and uh, where they come from, how they're growing up, nature versus nurture kind of thing. It's just a matter of the cards they're dealt, and uh, some people navigate that uh, with extreme precision and get out super clean. Uh, but some people, <laughs> but a lot of people, more than most, I feel like uh, that the, the people that make it out clean is a very rare percentage. Um, it's a very low percentage, I feel. Um, the the people that don't, I feel like, is obviously the uh, more of the more of the mean. Um, but yeah, man, there's a lot to chew on for sure. <laughs> 
yeah, I got some statistics on uh, the whole thing. So, um, you know, obviously the issue is that with social media and SoundCloud, we're exposed to such a huge range of artists now. You know, everyone with a microphone in a bedroom can drop a song, anyone with access to a studio. And this is a scary thing, and think about this very hard. It's not that rappers are victims of homicide more often post-2010s. It's only that we're actually now seeing it because it's taking away someone who raps now but might not have in 1995. And this is what scares me the most about the whole thing, honestly. And I think, you know, a lot of people might understand this already, but I think there's a lot of people out there and a lot of conversation I see on social media, people aren't understanding this. People aren't, aren't seeing this layer or seeing this level. You know, the, the fact is that homicide rates are actually down, but awareness of rappers dying is way up. So think about all the untold stories from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. They didn't get a social media obituary. They didn't get a title Mm -hmm. playlist because they didn't have access to a studio in a record deal. Mm -hmm. So we also have to look at the other side of social media because it's allowing people now to identify the location of famous artists and giving them the tools to, you know, cause mass you know violence in these these like the, a lot of the time it's robbing like pop smoke xxx even benny you know and these these robberies can turn violent and the issue is systemic i i, I want to make this point very very clearly the issue is not systemic in hip-hop this is the fucking key point of this whole thing i don't want anyone to go away from this thinking this is a hip-hop problem this is a failing yeah. of the american system at a very basic level And Jay-Z said it very, very clearly. If you put crabs in a barrel to ensure your survival, you're going to end up pulling down people that look just like you. Then he also rapped on Do You Want to Ride? And this is a little bit longer, but he says, you know why they call the projects a project? Because it's a project. An experiment wherein it only is objects. An object for us to explore our prospects and sidestep the cops on the way to the top. Yes, As kids, we would daydream sitting on our steps, pointing at cars like, yeah, that's our six. Hustlers' profits would make our eyes stretch. So on some Dr. Spock shit, we started our trek. Some of us made it, most of us digressed. So, you know, if you want an even, you know, a different commentary on this, just go watch the Whack Arnold sketch on on Chappelle show, you know. Often the only jobs available are in fast food places or liquor stores or corner stores, you know, they're minimum wage Mm. jobs. Minimum wage only buys the absolute minimum. So you're forced to eat fast food to survive, you know, stay at home on weekends, you freeze in the winter and you burn in the summer. Jay-Z's whole career is built off this. You know, he raps, nine to five is how you survive. I ain't trying to survive. I'm trying to live it to the limit and love it a lot. And why, that's the thing, why shouldn't you? Like the American dream is one of the most misleading statements ever. It should just be called the white American dream. You know, the American dream states that anyone can come to America and make it big in their capitalist society. But we've seen ample evidence of this being an absolute fallacy, especially in African-American communities. Systemic oppression hits people at a generational level. You end up having to live outside of the system in order to succeed. You know, if you point to Jay-Z as an inspiration, you have to acknowledge how he built his entire empire. He did it out of necessity. So that's a little bit long-winded, but the point is the violence that we're seeing perpetrated against rappers, by rappers, whatever, it's, it's the tip of the iceberg. And we're only seeing it now thanks to how easy it is to become a rapper and, and build a buzz now compared to the 90s. The iceberg is the horrible conditions people have been forced to exist in for so many decades now. And it's, it, it does not let up. It continues. 
So I, I just wanted to make that point very, very clear. Like this is not a hip hop problem. This is a problem that is part of been part of America since slavery. Like it's still fucking there. So don't go around and think this is this is because hip hop's too violent. This is because so and so is rapping about this. This is because so and so is rapping about that. Why are they rapping about that? They're not just doing it for fun. They're not just rapping about that shit for fun. No one does that shit. I mean, like, rock music doesn't have that. Like, this is not, you know, it's not... <laughs> rock music never went through that, so they don't rap, they don't sing about that. Pop music went, never went through that, so they don't sing about it. They're singing about, they're rapping about what they've gone through. And, like, we're just seeing the, the absolute tip of the iceberg. I want people to remember that. Every time you see someone pass away from, from violence, it is the tip of the iceberg. Please go and do a little bit more research and understand the entire thing that led up to that point because it's just part of America and it's this really racist, oppressive part of America that continues to this day. And, you know, when I talk about drugs in a second, we'll talk about the, the effect that that's had on people. Uh, yeah, uh, I kind of wished you gave all that before I told. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, you basically said what I did with the with actual numbers, which is I just backed you up your statement, man. That's fine. I, yeah, we, yeah, we're on the yeah, set. We're definitely on the because I mean, I, you know, Charlie and I did not prep for this at all together. We never prep for these podcasts together, so it's clearly that this is obviously the point. I mean, both of us have just come to the same conclusion. We just came to it from yeah, yeah, completely yeah. different directions, but it's the same conclusion, yeah, well, which I think yeah. just solidifies the point. Yeah, one with research. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, one with just general ramblings. Um, but that's that's why you love us. Um, yeah, uh, I think the 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 uh, the point the point you gave um, with um, you know the fact that yeah you know, people are, the fact that we can have these quote unquote social media obituaries is very uh, is very unique um, in just general human history, right? Like. Uh, it just to have people uh, have their moment, uh, regardless of kind of regardless of size. Like obviously, uh, you can see disparities in a lot of uh, in a lot of places in terms of just how uh, known uh, some person is, um, and I think that's uh, I guess uh, something that's worth. Uh, worthy worthy of praise in general uh the fact that we can you know have <clears throat> the fact that we can give time to like you know collectively sharing uh and reminiscing about things about this person which is uh kind of you know it's it's kind of cool to see um it's kind of, it's, it's cool to see for sure um but yeah in the overall point you made um there was just a it is it is very um stark <laughs> uh and uh yeah i'm i'm sure you've uh, got uh more in that more in that chamber I'm, I'm i'm waiting on it but yeah it's just um there's a there's a lot about um there's something to be said right about uh um how I think, uh, you know, I, I actually, actually, I saw, um, I saw a video recently, uh, or was it a tweet? I don't know. I saw something recently where someone said, like, uh, yeah, someone was just hot taking, right? I was just like, you know, Kendrick's t Kendrick ain't gonna make anything better than the T-Pap, right? General hot take, right? Classic hot take. 
And someone responded, uh, actually, you know what? I think this is a Fantana video. That's what it was. Yeah, it was. Um, anyway, yeah, it so was, yeah, yeah. I, I think Fantana responded uh, saying like, uh, you know, there's something to be said about uh, someone having to, you know, go through a stupid amount of pain to, you know, write good art. You know, that's that's a that's a that's some that's a trope that comes through. Not even just hip hop, not even just music, but just in all art that you know, someone has to be in pain all the time to deliver the best art, right? Like, eh, eh. it's not. It helps. <laughs> I could have said it don't help. You know what I mean? That you can that you can uh that you can basically like, you know, put a syringe in yourself and take out some pain, you know, figuratively and then just like inject into the page or, you know, your bars or your production, et cetera, et cetera, right? Or your painting, whatever, right? Or your acting. You know, there's something to be said for that. But it doesn't always have to be the case. Right, you you can also be very you know journalistic about it and come at it from you know you don't have to be you don't have to come from it uh come at it from a first person point of view you can come at it uh, come at it very uh, with a with a high sense of empathy and you're able to uh um and you're able to paint that picture so to speak with you know vivid detail even though you may have not personally gone through that you may have known someone or whatever you know that's important. Uh, that's important to the thing you're creating, obviously, and it should be treated with care, uh, as with all of these things. Um, but it doesn't have to be the be-all and end-all. Um, something I always talk about uh, when it comes to awards, especially, is um, a concept I like to call posthumous push, where like you know someone's died. Okay, let's let's give them let's let's give them a nomination for something they may have not got if they didn't die, or let's uh, you know. Let's put them on the charts, and you know that's 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 we ha- we've had this conversation before. Uh, when it came to was it Mac? May it may have been. Um, we we've had this conversation before, uh, and uh, you know how people respond to it by going, oh, I think it was Doom actually going like, oh, now you're gonna now you're gonna you know put this guy in the charts, like yeah, well, yeah. of course he died. Yeah, people can listen, right? It's is yeah. what it is, right? <clears throat> and you know Mac. Uh, Inside, inside tinfoil hat machinations aside, um, but as it pertains to the chart system, um, all of that aside, you know, it is what it is, right? People, so a dude died. People want to listen and you know, gain that, re- gain that yeah. nostalgia, whatever, and or just out of respect in general, whatever, right? Um, but that 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 posthumous push is like I just find so weird sometimes, and. Uh, uh, like I said, it is what it is, but it's just so weird that uh, people. Uh, it's it's not even not even just like chart stuff, right? It, especially when it comes to like awards and like certain people, obviously part of that committee, and it's just like you're gonna select them. I don't know. Is that is is that really just via merit, or are you just doing it because you know get ratings and people mm-hmm. just going like, oh, this person got nominated, you know, after they died, and you know. Uh, R.I.P. This person and that you know that that social media cycle can go again. It leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It it really does. Um, but you know that's just that's just one side of it from the uh from the other end. I think of the of the conversation here. Um, but yeah, I I just find this concept of uh getting back to the main point I wanted to get at was uh you know this concept of having to be in pain. 
uh, or even having to die sometimes for you know these records to become what they are or to become you know fully fleshed out or to even become fully understood um, is kind of weird to me I feel like unless the artists you know explicitly says that um, that you know I don't know <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying everyone has. Uh, someone's making you know a snuff album for themselves or anything like that. But like you know, the the fact that people go like, oh, now now this this hits different, um, and they they've gained an extra understanding towards uh, this particular record now that they're dead. And I'm just like, I don't know. I feel I feel like we understood. We may have understood the record anyway, but it just hits different because that person is dead. Not not that it adds any more meaning to it, um, which uh, is. Kind of a trivial take to all this. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm thinking about it, but yeah, this is uh, this is another rink I thought of. But yeah, well, it prompts people to think about the music in a different way. You know, a lot of people listen to music on a sure. surface level, and you know, I think having gone through Mac and Juice World and XXX and and especially Nipsey's catalog, you know, the way that people talked about Nipsey after he tragically passed away. It was like, okay, you didn't listen. You know, you didn't listen. Like, he'd been talking about death his entire career. It's the same with Mac. And I think a lot of people probably understood that about Mac Miller. But at the same time, I, I yeah. think a lot of people didn't didn't see it. They didn't see the way that he'd been talking about it. Like, he says on Faces, might die before I detox. And then he says, wait, I'm going to use that line a bit later. So he says it twice on the same song. Like, he constantly talked about death on faces and watching movies and delusional thomas like it's just a really constant refrain and so i think when people say this is hitting different now it's like no 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 it's i mean it, it would always have hit that way if you're in the right headspace but now you recognize the actual truth behind these lyrics and the the sad mm -hmm. the sad part mm -hmm. about it because i think a lot of the yeah. time we are confronted with quite intense lyrical content you know every single day if we're listening to certain music we're hearing violence we're hearing drug abuse we're hearing about death we're hearing about tragedy about pain and you can just gloss over it if you want i guess is the the beats knocking and the the lyrics are you know the the flows on point and you're like oh yeah this, this is a good song and then all of a sudden someone passes away or someone suffers from an overdose and you listen back and you're like, hang on a sec, this might have been a cry out for help, you know? And I think that I want to segue that into what I wanted, the second part, I want to talk about drugs because, um, you know, so many rappers have come out and said that they have PTSD from what they've witnessed. As Charlie was talking about earlier, about Dave, especially about kind of the stuff that these rappers have gone through before the age of 20, 21, 22, 23. You know, Beanie Siegel said that he was sipping syrup because of his nerves Memphis Bleak said he had PTSD. G. Herber has an entire album called PTSD. He even said, you know, he's nervous and, and having to carry a firearm everywhere. And he said, any feeling that I got and came to my brain, I let it out on wax. And, you know, drug overdoses are now about as common in hip-hop as they are in rock music. And I think the scariest part is that rock went through this like 30 to 40 years ago and still nothing has changed. And, and remember that point because I'm going to get to a point in a second. I went to the Big Sean interview with uh, Joe Budden and apparently music labels don't provide health insurance, which is quite scary. Now, I don't know how true that is of every individual contract, but the, the information I found was that they don't. Now, Big Sean in his interview with Joe Budden said something that scared me a lot. He had just finished talking about his suicidal thoughts and his depressions, the fact that he brought himself a gun. Now, Big Sean said his management and his circle rallied around him during this time. So Joe Budden asked how the label responded, and Big Sean scoffed and just said, the label? 
I don't listen to the label, especially on mental health. Now, I recognize that everyone has a personal responsibility to keep themselves safe and alive. I fully understand that. But hip-hop has become a melting pot of substance abuse in the last 20 years. Like, it just makes sense. I mean, I've resorted to drugs numerous times in my life. I'm on drugs all the time. I take heavy medication. I just fucking started medicinal cannabis because of what I've gone through. It's too much for me to bear. Like, if I was at a workplace that was just, eh, come in, man. Here's, here's a little bit more. Here's some other drugs. Like, you know... It, my psychiatrist would not allow me to, to work in these environments because she'd be like, well, it's too much risk. It's too dangerous. Like it's too, you're going you're gonna to spiral quickly. But it just seems like labels just don't take personal responsibility. And maybe that's just the way it's always going to be. But I, I just, as a, as a human who has emotions and cares about things, I just don't understand how that works. This is a bit of a tangent, but uh, I'll get to the, po- I'll get to the point uh, very, very... It's just going to start for a weird place. So <clears throat> I was listening to a, a podcast recently, and they were talking about uh, the uh, verses uh, from uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Isley Brothers, right? It was hosted by Steve Harvey, and uh, there was he was asked a question about it, uh, about just his you know general thoughts on the whole thing, and uh, he, as a critique to what Steve Harvey was doing, as pertains to hosting. And, uh, you know, ask, he, he, I think he was basically like, asking about, like, the story behind, you know, this track or the story behind this track, right? And for someone, for, for someone like, you know, for people like the Icy Brothers, right, and, excuse me, Earth, Wind & Fire that have, you know, fuck ton of music, right? Su- stupidly huge catalogs, both of them, right? For those... There, there comes there has there comes a point, right? Maybe it's early, maybe it's very late. I don't know, right? Depends on who you are. Where not every song is gonna have a story behind it, right? So it's just it's just a song. Right? <laughs> they've just you know, they've just slapped to, slapped together, you know, put their magic on it. There's no story behind it. There's no deep meaning behind it. Some sometimes a record about sex is just a record about sex. You know what I mean? You're just wording it differently, right? Sometimes it's just about that, right? But I feel like when it comes to something like hip hop, right? And because at this point in time, because as I've said before on WAC several times, hip hop as a just a general thing is not even fifty years old, right? It's it's very young compared to other uh, forms of music and especially forms of expression in music, right? So when it comes to talking about deep shit, right? When you talk about death, when you talk about drugs whatever right uh addiction uh abuse whatever right whatever you think whatever you consider dark content right or just dark themes uh of life right and realities that people go through you're going to have some form of story behind that kind of stuff i feel i feel like it's very hard to just you know in the same way the Izzy Brothers are creating just, you know, some random song that just has some sexual content in it. I can't believe that someone's just creating some dark shit just to just for the sake of being dark. There's gonna be some there's gonna be something behind that. 
You know, what I mean, there has to be something behind that. I feel. Unle- <laughs> I mean, if there's there's some commentary there. If you if you if you're just whacking it out like that with no story behind it, whatever, right? But I just feel like there's always something behind that. There has to be some sort of you know, uh, some sort of emotional emotional payment that you have to put forward there, so to speak. When you're talking to me about labels not having anything uh you know claiming to not have anything to do in that in the artist's well-being is extremely gross to me when you have somebody and this is another thing in the overall zoomed out concept of what of what hip hop is and what just you know black life in general uh latin hispanic life is about in general uh rural working class white guy life is about you're profiting off the off this pain fundamentally so to say that you don't have any uh any stake any uh skin in the game gives me this uh it it makes my it, it makes me itch it makes my skin crawl thinking about that that you don't think you uh you, you don't have any culpability in how this person acts not uh, you, you can't, not everybody is uh not everybody is out of the woods so to speak um in terms of being comfortable with talking about things and they're completely out of that completely out of that particular woods that they're consistently telling you about you do that on this pod Ben several times over the over the two years that we've done this right and I and a lot of other people appreciate you for your honesty in exploring these uh, exploring these themes that happen consistently in your life and they, uh, like you said, are still going through to this day. But not everybody is completely out of the woods and can uh, a- and can visualize how bad it was without you know pegging themselves back or without relapsing to use a you know a, tr- a traditional term right not everybody's like that so to tell me that you don't have any culpability in someone dying because they're giving you music that you 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 want you want that music you want that pain because let's be real a lot of hip hop uh is popular because it is detrimental to a lot of people's uh uh, uh <clears throat> it's detrimental to the overall uh, scope of how people see that person or, or how people see that that kind of person. You see, uh, if you if you're given, and this is why I preach variety a lot. This is why I preach variety, um, and I think Punch uh, TD Punch um, uh, made some great tweet uh, made a great tweet about uh, mainstream and about how. Uh, y- well, he doesn't want to try and be mainstream because, you know, mainstream is for the formulas that ho- that already work. We know that drugs, drug use uh, works. <laughs> you know I mean, it's been it's been ever present since what uh, the, 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 the dawn of popular music, to be completely honest. Right. Uh, however you however you want to package it, whether it's in bubblegum pop or the deepest, darkest, dingy, grimy hip hop possible, however you want to package it, it's still going to be popular 
because people enjoy that shit for some for some reason or another. People enjoy people talking about being high. Uh, people enjoy people talking about uh, uh, being on this drug, being on that drug, being uh, just damaged in de- general. Because I guess, I don't know, maybe it's from a form of uh, voyeurism. Uh, maybe it's for relatability. Or maybe it's because, or maybe it's from a standpoint of, oh, good, he's just as uh, he he's more fucked up than I am, uh, which it, which some people I don't know get off of I don't know, uh, but to get to my original point, I I just don't, well, I do understand, but I just don't like how this uh part of uh artistry is used uh for. Again, this is this is this is the this is the this is the life we're in, where you know everything can be paid for, right? Everything can be bought, and if you wanna, if you want your pain to be bought in some fa- in some fashion, go for it, do you? But for the people that go like, oh, he died, damn, that's a shame. All right, on to the next one. Like, it's just gross to me. It's so disgusting to me that you don't have that. Uh, that you, that you're willing to just like profit off this person and profit off their pain, but you don't want to. <laughs> but you don't want to take any. Uh, I don't know. But you don't want to take anything from that. And I'm not. And I'm not saying right that you know what Lil Peep's mother's saying about them encouraging him. No, no, right no. in that fashion. No, we can't not, say that. that. That's, we yeah, can't that's, say that. We have no information on that's that. That's in the yeah, that's exactly. what she that's said. In, we we don't know if that's that happened a, yeah, or yeah. not. No. Yeah, that's alleged. That's that that that'll be that'll be settled somewhere else, right? That that can be answered in due time, right? Whether it is fact or not, right? But the dude put out very honest, very painful music to a lot of people, and you can't tell me. Uh, clearly, he wasn't out of the woods on that front. So it's an ongoing thing. So <laughs> it's it's just uh, it's it's jarring to me, Ben, because it's like it's like a hamster wheel. Like there's every single time, every every uh, always, there's always someone on that hamster wheel, like running themselves ragged, telling these stories that you know are so harrowing. And you know I value, and this is again. The va- the variety point where I ki- where where I kind of uh, stop myself at the reason why that variety stuff is valued is because when you wh- when you find this depressing shit profitable then it starts getting toxic because then they're starting to find people that are just simply damaged and they don't care because they'll find another damaged person I feel like you know what I mean and it's just ugh, it's just how the game goes now and it's it's, it's there's and with all these deaths that are coming through right now, especially uh, the uh, the ones that are coming at such a young age, I don't know, man. I can't help but see some sort of a trend. I can't help it but see some sort of a trend. And in my mind, I just see it like a ticking time bomb. That I just hope they get their work out, get their pee, and get the fuck out. So they but can sort themselves out. Bro, what does that remind you of? What does that remind you of? How many rap lyrics have you heard say the exact same thing? <laughs> Let's make enough money in this illegal uh-huh, game yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. go straight. 
That's yep. scary. Yeah. The yeah. one, the one thing I want to say before we end is that yeah, go for it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say. Look, so when you, when you, when you get the cross section of art and and business. It's confronting because art is humanity, you know, and business is not necessarily humanity. So I have a personal experience in this that I want to tell. And this is why when I say labels, like we throw labels under the bus a lot here, but this is business. You know, we're not, I'm not always throwing, I'm not always saying like these labels are doing things way worse than other businesses. They're they're literally just doing business. Really what I'm doing, I'm not throwing labels under the bus. I'm just throwing capitalism under the bus because I don't agree with it. So one of my friends, her husband got retrenched this week. So he got laid off. He got made redundant. And he'd been working at this company for, I think, four years, five years. And he was a registrar and he got his accreditation. So they kept him on for a couple of months, but they couldn't afford to keep two registrars. And they wouldn't pay him the extra money that his accreditation deserved. So I went over on Monday after he'd been given the notice, right? And, you know, it was a pretty rough day. It was a pretty rough day. Everyone was pretty down. And then, you know, we thought, obviously, you can't just cut someone and get rid of them immediately. Like, the job he does is really intense. He does a lot of research. He has a lot of projects open. And to do a proper handover of his job would take weeks. So we just assumed, you know, he'd go back to work the next day, get two weeks, and kind of finish everything up. Anyway, end of end of business on Thursday... And the big boss comes into his office and she's like, what are you still doing here? He's like, what do you mean? She's like, your last day was yesterday. You're not even meant to be working today. So they gave him two days notice and then said, yeah, you're out for good. No more. Done. That's it. End of end of days. Cut ties. So he had like, he had all these projects and they actually hurt their own business by doing that. Because by getting rid of him early the way they did, they could have kept him on for two weeks. I have to pay him a retrenchment anyway. So he would have happily worked that two weeks and finished off his research projects. Now they'll never get finished. So the work he was doing for them won't get done. No one's going to do it now because he was a specialist. And we're talking about it. And like he was really confused. He's like, I give my all to this company. I always have. You know, I'm great friends with everyone there. I work really hard. And all his co-workers loved him at his farewell. They were like, you know, he's an amazing worker. We're going to be really sad to see him go. This is horrible. And I was talking to my friend about it. And it's like you could just see the business case so cut and dry. It's like, yeah, we can't afford to have two registrars. So get rid of that one immediately. Like that was it. It's just cut him. There was no other conversation in that. There's no other conversation in that. It's just, this is costing us money. Let's cut it. There's no thoughts of what he was doing for the company. There's no thoughts of the value he was bringing. None of that mattered. There was no thoughts to the fact that he has a young family. There was no thoughts to the fact that it's really, really hard to get a job in the way in the industry he's in. And right now is a terrible time to be searching for work. No, no, fuck that, man. Not even thinking about that. And so... That's natural. That's a really natural part of business. And I get really confronted because I'm not part of corporate world anymore. I used to be, but I don't I'm not been in the corporate world for nearly what, nine years, eight years now. It's a long time. So when we talk about these things and, and a lot of you might not understand or might not have had experience, like lived experience with corporate world and not worked in the industry. When I worked in the industry and I worked on budgets and I worked on things like that, it was just all business cases there was absolutely no wiggle room it wasn't it wasn't even a thing you didn't even think about how people felt you just cut people you just fired people you just moved on to the next project you just you know something wasn't working out you just ended it and continued onwards 
and there's like this good faith thing, like not good faith, but you know that everyone's engaging in business together. So that's what you expect. Like it's just the way it is. You're working for my company. You understand the ethos of this company. So if I fire you randomly, you understand. It's the way it goes. It's written into your contract. But when you when you have that world clash up against the artistic world and the humanity world and the emotion world, because these artists are delivering us their souls, their hearts, their pain, their vulnerability, their insecurity. And if you think about it, if you think about it in maybe a relationship sense, right, where we can all admit that these artists are being vulnerable on wax. They're, they're giving us their absolute deepest, darkest demons. You know, the word demon is is wrapped about regularly because that's people talking about the mental struggle and mental anguish they're going through. If you think about it in a relationship sense where you're with someone and they've gotten you to a point and you've gotten to a point in your relationship where you feel comfortable to be vulnerable with them, comfortable to be insecure with them, comfortable to be, you know, your entire self around them. And then one day they just break up with you and they're like, look, this is not working for these reasons. Bang, 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 dot points. I don't want to speak to you ever again. Gone. That shit hurts. And you'd be like, man, that's a really cold way to end a relationship like that. Because that's a relationship. That's humanity. And that's why we're seeing this confronting situation so often and no more so than when an artist passes away because that is the absolute pinnacle of anguish when someone passes away too soon and then everyone's kind of left behind to, to pick up the pieces and be like, okay, what the fuck went wrong? What happened? How did they get to this point? And I think it's natural to gravitate towards the the cold unflinching business side and be like this is what pushed them to the edge you know this is what hurt them certainly that's not the conversation around dmx or mf doom but it tends to be artists who are active and younger that tends to be the conversation around it like why wasn't more done and i think that that phrase why wasn't more done is constantly said by people like us who don't have personal experience in these stories. You know, we're not involved in the story. We don't know the people around them. We don't know their management. And certainly as someone who's been around addicts and has been an addict, a lot of the time is you can't do anything. You genuinely can't. You got to take your hands off the wheel and be like, this person's an addict. Like they need to finally get to a point where they, they want to actually help themselves. And tragically, some people never can. And I totally understand that as well. So I do want to shoot a little bit of bail. And I'm just saying like, these are just discussions that we're having. We don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. But those words, you know, those words, we're not responsible for the well-being. Now, that was only one label. I don't know what other labels say, but I use Big Sean as an example, you know, and I just, I think it's when art and business like clash like this and we just get this weird mix, this really weird mix. And I think it leaves us all feeling a little bit, confronted because we don't have control as audiences we don't have autonomy in these situations we can see what's happening on wax you know you look at what's going on with chica at the moment if anyone knows what's going on with chica please Uh, go over to her her twitter but Mm -hmm. what can we do what can we do honestly like i texted the label because i know some people at the label that signed her And I'm like, is everything okay? Like, are you guys on top of this? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we know about it. We know about it. We're working through it. So like, but that's all I can do. And I'm already in a privileged position in that sense because I already have a contact. But everyone else is sitting there helpless. So what can we do? We can't do anything. You listen to Mac Miller pouring his heart out on these songs. And you don't know. You have no idea. It's 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 really confronting and i think the whole point i want to make here apart from you know shooting a bit of bail or or just saying that this is a discussion 
This is like we're not coming in here with all this knowledge and all these understandings of contracts and shit like that. This is just the discussion of the information that we have. The other point I want to say is the reason it feels so difficult for us is because we don't have any autonomy or control in these situations. We're just we're hearing about it. All of a sudden, DMX is in hospital and, you know, he's he's unresponsive. And it's like, oh, shit, like that fucking sucks. And we, we, we just we will him. You know, you saw the tweets, you saw the prayers, you saw the power and the energy willing him to get better. That I just wish there was some way to harness that energy prior, you know, like, but there isn't. It's just, it's such a mess. And I think that's why people get, get so f- torn up is because we love these artists and we've grown up with them and they've given us their vulnerabilities, their insecurities, and, and we feel seen and they feel seen and we have this emotional connection, but we don't have a physical connection. You know, a lot of the people in our real life, you know, in the relationship metaphor, we have a physical connection with that person. We see them. We can speak to them. We can feel their energy. We can calm them down. But like in these circumstances, we can't do anything. And all we're getting is the end result of years of pain. And I think that makes it even harder for some people when they realize like people read the DMX thing about the stuff he's been through. And they're like, oh, my God, I didn't know he'd been through so much shit. And all of a sudden they're feeling, you know, shame and guilt and and pain and anguish of like 40 years of this man's life. They feel it all in like three days. It's overwhelming as shit. And when it keeps happening and happening, I think that's why people are struggling so much. So, mm. you know, we say some stuff on this podcast and, and I get very passionate and I don't mean to throw anyone under the bus. I don't have any information about labels and shit like that. I don't know, but I'm just, I'm just passionate and I, I'm scared. Like I hope that this doesn't keep happening and I hope something can be done and at the same time i don't know because i don't i don't have control so that's you know i think that's why we get so passionate the last thing i'll say about it is that um i feel like there's a systemic issue that i haven't uh quite detailed in this episode but i just want to note that there is a i feel a systemic uh um wrong to to all of this and uh people don't really feel like changing that system because mm-hmm. it's working yep. in the ways that we've already mentioned so uh yeah i i i don't want to be pessimistic and say like you know this is uh this is never going to um this is going to change no, nobody's no no artist is uh, going to die in their early 20s and uh, you know just and have in in these uh, circumstances that you know a couple of these eyes that we've mentioned have gone through whatever right i i can't i can't say that <laughs> i can't be that positive i just can't i got i i just have to see it as from a realistic standpoint but um yeah i just wanted to finish off on just the fact that there is a overall systemic um mechanism to a lot of this i feel it's not clockwork right um some people just get smart at the right time and that's all well and good but uh yeah if you i I feel like there's a there's an ability to be to rest on your laurels uh to get comfy and uh, that's when people get bit Uh, that's when that's when people just uh, uh, uh when the floor can literally fall out from under them um so and we, and i'm j- i'm just hoping in the same way you are that you know that we feel kind of helpless as fans of some of these people's music 
um that we can we we can only literally just like listen to the music and you know appreciate it for what it is and you know maybe drop a tweet and hope they see it whatever right um but uh <laughs> yeah man it's uh it really is a um a personal uh a personal a uh, gamble i think that like you know not all songs are created equal i not all songs are created by like you know 12 songwriters in a songwriting camp right uh it's not it, not not all of them are that machine uh mechanical some of them are written in the darkest basement with no light uh with no natural light <laughs> i mean just like it's just it's just written in like you know someone's bedroom uh while they're listening to music or they've got tv on uh while you know shit's going on outside their room right it's you know i mean it's just everyone's situation is unique in in that in that way and uh you know we can treat with the respect it deserves but um there comes a point i feel when they're in this particular system that we've been talking about uh we've uh, that i've been personally harping on is uh there comes a time i feel where you need to see it for what it is they see it as a commodity and in the same way you know referencing the big sean thing that you mentioned you know they don't care they but they don't you know they, they don't they don't really see the the life that you uh that you feel like needs to be corrected they just they just want to know when the ne- next next piece of work's coming through so yeah it's uh here's what it is um that's deaf. <laughs> That's our deaf episode, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so um, it's been it's been an interesting uh, hour. Uh, but yeah, I shall leave it there. Please tell me you have a light note. <laughs> uh, I don't at the moment. If you start talking, oh, I good. might come up with one. Have you got one? Good. Uh, no, not really. Uh, actually, um, the Oscars are happening as we speak, uh, as we record, oh, really? and. Wow. Uh, yeah, funny, right? Funny, funny how you just you just clocked that. Um, yeah, they're doing the red carpet stuff, sort of fashion shit right now. But uh, as we record, the Oscars are going through, and I'm just ha- I'm just happy that I don't care that much. Uh, I, um, I've I've you know I've for the past year or two two years I've re- I've been weaning myself from like awards and award season and that kind of stuff, and I've just like you know stopped caring as much as I did. Um, but yeah, man, I was just, uh, I, I just got word of it like a couple of days ago and I was like, oh yeah, the Oscars are coming through. I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> just, and maybe, maybe it's because like, you know, it's been Corona, uh, lockdown and all that stuff. And you know, I haven't even seen many of the films that have been, you know, uh, honored this tonight or whatever. Uh, maybe, maybe that's part of it. Um, I haven't been to a cinema since fucking February last year. Yeah, maybe that's either. the case. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that's the case. Um, I'm sure that's part of it. But uh, yeah, man, I, I just I'm just trying to like I don't know, just look look more inward. You know what I mean? And just like see uh, what I can do. I just realised I'm 25 next month. Fuck. Are you getting mad old? <laughs> That's confronting. <laughs> uh, nah, I, honestly, I don't even feel like I don't even feel like 
I don't know what, I don't know what saying I don't feel 25 means, but like I don't feel 25 that makes any sense. Like I feel like I still feel I I feel that th- there was a flashpoint when I was like I don't know 16 or 15 where I was just like I need to look like change up in some way and just focus up on something and invest myself in something cuz at that point I was just like not invested in anything. But like I'm invested in so many things now. Um it just feels very it feels very uh encouraging, I guess, in some way. And a lot of people can get very panicked about, you know, getting older uh, for obvious reasons, you know. <laughs> One step closer to death and every time. Um all that kind of stuff, but I don't know, man. I just see I, I have a lot to be positive about, I guess, and, uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's it's rare that I've had that, uh, most of, the, I, I usually use my birthdays to reflect a lot, and to, like, you know, think of what I've done so far, but, I don't know, I just feel, in this moment, anyway, I don't know how I'm going to feel next month, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming through, hopefully, uh, and, you know, just going to hope it all comes through smoothly, to be honest, and just uh, <laughs> hope to get out unscathed, <laughs> out the other side unscathed. So, uh, you know, cheers to that, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. I think that's a really good attitude to have. I think, um, you know, getting old is not that bad. Like, I'm 32, so I'm 33. Give me some gems, Ben. <laughs> it's not that bad, man. I think the older <laughs> you get, like, the more you understand your own value system. And you can't, I feel like after the age of, like, 24, I, I just stopped making giant mistakes and now i just (laughs) regret them but like at least i learned from them (laughs) and i'm like okay i understand them you know i understand what i did wrong there and yeah i think getting old is is nothing wrong with it Uh, i don't know man when i get to 40 it might be a whole different different ball game but at the same time like yeah i think um i think you have a good attitude on birthdays i don't really reflect i just i don't know i don't like birthdays very much i don't like being the center of attention so i kind of you know try to avoid everything and everyone but um I yeah. rarely go out. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I've rarely had big. like a quote unquote birthday party. Like I, I always just have a meal. Like I, I'm just fine with that. Like <laughs> I mean, it's just get a good meal in. Uh, you know, I mean, just just do that. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not one side. Hey guys, my birthday. Let's just party. Da, da, da. So, yeah. uh, and the people that spend like a whole week, like that's some privilege right there, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um the birthday week thing is. <laughs> Oh, that's fuck. a touch like too a shanti has mega birthdays like fucking hell she yeah, goes shanty, she gets man. she gets her whole squads like takes them out to an island i'm just like bro fuck you can do it i guess go do it but fucking hell it's not for me man it's not for me it's um, not my steez <laughs> my lighter note so i just found this double xl tweet that went viral and it says which one would you rather have kanye west production little wayne's flow jay-z's wordplay kendrick oh lamar's God. storytelling why did that go viral? <laughs> I post heaps of shit and I don't go viral anymore. It's really disappointing. There's something wrong with my algorithm. And I'm like, this is a good tweet. Like, I, I, I pasted the other day, like, what's the oldest album that you still have in regular rotation? I thought that was a great tweet, but it didn't go down very well. But anyway, like, I, I certainly would take Kanye West production all the time. Like, <laughs> I've just taken that. Like, that's just going to win uh, you many, many, many arguments. 
I, I, I mean, my answer, my answer is Kendrick's story telling for obvious reasons. But um, I, I feel, I, I, I honestly, Ben, I don't think uh, uh, you, you wear you wear jealousy well. So uh, I would. I'm terrible um, with jealousy. <laughs> I'm terrible. I, I would advise you change that kit up and oh, uh, wear something different. <laughs> so bad with jealousy. Hey, the other lighter note is I finally, so I finally tried the THC. So like after all this time, all this time, I was like. All right, man, give me the THC. Give me the good stuff. And it worked. It worked. I took it on Friday night, and I was mad chill, as you would expect. Yeah, on. Yeah, I was, I was super chilled out. And it, I tell you what, man, it's gross. It's like it's like this dark green color because they give you like a – it's like in an oil. It's oil-based. <laughs> so you put it under your tongue and take it sublingually. So, like, it's okay. just – yeah, it's really, really gross. It tastes awful. It's not as fun as bunning up, but okay. No, no, it's, it's just, yeah, so, um, yeah, Friday night, so I've got, like, a lot of it, and I'm probably going to take it, like, once or twice a week, um, so, yeah, it's not, it's not cool, it's not fun, it takes a long time to kick in, but when it kicks in, it's pretty chill, so, yeah, I'd, nice. I'd report nice. back, CBD oil did jack shit, CBD oil by itself, nah, man, you need the, I need nice. the THC involved. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I'll, 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 I'll get permission from my boy to see if I can give you a, a highly blessed playlist. <laughs> I would much appreciate that. I would much appreciate that. <laughs> yes, there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for the Fifth Foot Podcast Network, it's been Digging Digits. So if you enjoyed this episode, I've been Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Element. I haven't been Carter Fifth Foot Numbers. Digital Underground retrospective coming next week. Yeah. Do fuck. you listens? Do you listens, ladies We're and gentlemen? Catch, uh, listen, listen with us, and we'll go through the wonderful world of hip hop, p funk, fusion. That is Digital Underground, and also Two Packs First Verse on Wax, which will be fun. Uh, so yeah, hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for this show is piece of video games by bonus points. I said chill preckers for the ability to use. Socials for the fulfillment, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and chill preckers will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth in podcast and our production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits.